Welcome to Brain Talk, a podcast about the latest thinking and research in neurology with a specific focus on epilepsy and other seizure-like disorders. Today's episode features Dr. Jeremy Slater, Chief Medical Officer at Stratus. Dr. Slater discusses the characteristic symptoms of Alzheimer's and other dementias, differential diagnosis, and when EEG monitoring may be appropriate. Let's take a listen. Today we're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease and other dementias and the role of video EEG monitoring. And again, similar to the other topics we're going to focus on first, well, what is dementia? How is this defined? So there's several elements in this. One is a patient is suffering a decline in memory to an extent that it interferes with everyday activities or makes independent living either difficult or impossible. A decline in thinking, planning, and organizing day-to-day things again to the above extent. Initially preserved awareness of the environment, uh, including orientation in space and time, so that the memory complaint presents first and primarily rather than an overall confusional state where they don't know, you know where they are, who they are, what day it is, that sort of thing. But certainly that can happen eventually. A decline in emotional control or motivation or a change in social behavior as shown in one or more of the following. Emotional ability, which is how uh, quickly emotions can change from say happiness to sadness or sadness to anger. Irritability, apathy, coarsening of social behavior is in uh, when they're eating, dressing, or interacting with others. So you can imagine the complex structure that makes a person what they are, both in terms of intellect and social interactions, uh, emotional stability. All of these things gradually break down in the process of a dementia. It's all these different cognitive domains are being hit simultaneously, which is why it is such a terrifying and devastating disease because you're literally watching the disintegration of a person before your eyes over a period of months or years. Statistically, age is a common factor. This is both for epilepsy and dementia. The prevalence of dementia is estimated to be 6 to 8 percent after 65 years of age and may rise up to 20 to 30 percent of the population in subjects older than 85 years. And although Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia, there are other causes uh, in descending order vascular disease, Lewy body disease, and frontal lobe dementia. Um, Vascular disease is increasingly common as we gain a better and better ability to keep people alive specifically after they've suffered strokes and things like that. But the stroke will generally occur if you have long-standing hypertension or hyperlipidemia, high cholesterol, etc., where you get what uh, the common term would be hardening of the arteries. You've got thickening of these little arterioles in response to uh, the underlying condition, the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, etc. And you're getting the equivalent of microstrokes all over the place. Even if you don't have a big stroke, all of these little tiny microscopic strokes will take their toll over time 
manifest as a loss of cognitive function that is identical, well, effectively identical uh, from a lay standpoint in terms of the presentation looking like Alzheimer's disease. Lewy body disease, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, has gotten more press uh, with the death of Robin Williams, which you know, sort of brought it to the forefront, but it's increasingly recognized as a subtype of dementia with different presenting symptoms and different potential uh, avenues toward uh, therapy, though obviously we don't have a cure for any of these illnesses as of today. So what else do you think of when somebody is presenting with these symptoms? Well, differential diagnosis will include potentially a depressive disorder. Uh, this, it may exhibit many of the features of early dementia. So if you've got somebody who's really, really depressed, they can have memory impairment, slowed thinking, apathy, lack of spontaneity. And as a neurologist, if I look at somebody who presents with those symptoms, Dementia is a possibility, and they might just have depression. Uh, another item in the differential diagnosis is delirium, uh, confusional state. This is typically acute in onset with a clouding of consciousness that fluctuates in degree over time. And it is that particular presentation that may be consistent with Alzheimer's disease, but also might represent a seizure disorder, in particular uh, an epileptic fugue state or co complex partial status where the patient's having recurrent clinically very subtle seizures over time. Not big generalized convulsions, but essentially uh, slightly prolonged irregular staring spells, but they're happening so frequently that as far as the outside world is concerned, the patient just appears confused. Uh, working with uh, Dr. Gene Ramsey, who's actually on our medical advisory board, uh, Ramsey did a study at the VA a few decades back where essentially what the team did was we ran around and every time there was a consult, a neurology consult for a patient with altered mental status, whatever the reason, we went ahead and did a routine EEG. And in a significant percentage, it was a 5 or 10%, but it was a significant percentage of those patients we found that they were in complex partial status. So that you'd have somebody who was looking confused, it might have been going on for days or even months, and people thought they had Alzheimer's disease, something going on with their brain, treated them for epilepsy, and they would wake up and be completely oriented, memory functioning, etc. So it becomes really important to make the distinction between the two conditions. And getting back to the differential diagnosis, uh, for somebody presenting with symptoms of dementia, mild to moderate mental retardation, if you don't know that that's the patient's baseline, might be confused with dementia. There are states of subnormal cognitive functioning that are attributable to severely impoverished social environment and limited education. And then there are iatrogenic mental disorders that are due to medication. Um, classic in the epilepsy field is you, if you overdose somebody on topiramate, uh, topamax is a common treatment these days for uh, various forms of headache, also an anticonvulsant. But in very high doses, it can produce naming difficulties, memory impairments, and cognitive deficits that are strongly reminiscent or strongly suggestive of Alzheimer's disease. So, 
we look at epilepsy and dementia, the four most common etiologies for seizures in the elderly are cerebrovascular disease, toxic and metabolic etiologies, dementia itself, and brain tumors. So if we just look at the patients with dementia, the incidence of seizures is five to 10 times greater than expected compared to a reference population. If you uh, look at patients with Alzheimer's disease, between 10 and 22% will have at least one unprovoked seizure. The overall incidence of epilepsy, separate from dementia, but just the entire population, increases from 110 per 100,000 people between the ages of 65 and 69 to more than 160 per 100,000 people in those patients over 80 years. So there is clearly a statistical spike in the incidence of epilepsy that happens as you get uh, significantly older. In subjects that are uh, greater than 65 years of age, dementia and other neurodegenerative diseases account for somewhere between 9 and 70 percent of the epilepsy seen in the elderly. So if we look at all the patients over the age of 65 or 75, well, over the age of 65, who have epilepsy and say, um, what, to the extent we can figure it out, what's the cause of your epilepsy? Uh, as noted, somewhere between 9, nine and 17% will have a neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's as the reason that they've developed epilepsy. So the summary points here are that both epilepsy and dementia are common in the elderly, and up to one-fifth of the patients with dementia will end up having one or more seizures. Recurrent subtle seizures can produce a state essentially identical to delirium, and this is a state that's not uncommon in patients with dementia. And in particular, fluctuating levels of confusion in a patient with dementia should make wake one more suspicious of possible comorbid seizures. So if you're thinking about it from the standpoint of when am I going to do EEG monitoring, if I have, you know, mild, pretty consistent memory complaints, and that's the reason that I'm presenting to the office, that patient probably doesn't need any type of EEG. But as things get more severe, particularly if there are atypical things about it, again, Confusional states, maybe there are some irregular movements associated with it. Other types of forced repetitive behaviors, um, sudden worsening in the patient's cognitive status that might last for a few minutes or a few hours and then they get better and then suddenly a few days later they get worse again. Anything like that raises the possibility that either epilepsy is mimicking dementia or this is a patient with dementia who also now has a superimposed epilepsy that may have developed directly as a consequence of the dementia. And in any case like that, it is reasonable to consider some form of EEG. And for reasons that I've talked about in the, in the previous podcast, prolonged EEG is better than a short-term routine EEG, uh, particularly if you're talking about episodes that might occur, you know, once a day or once every couple of days, your chances of capturing one in a 20-minute recording are relatively small. Recording for three days, your chances are better. This podcast was brought to you by Stratus, the leading provider of ambulatory in-home video EEG testing. 
For more information about Stratus, please visit our website at www.stratusneuro.com.